Well, good evening once again, church family. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, let me go ahead and get you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20 will be there again this evening as we wrap up our sermon series on our mission and vision this evening called Faithful in the Ordinary Things. Faithful in the Ordinary Things. And so as you turn there, let me spend just a a brief moment to share, as I turn there too, (laughs) let me just share um, a little bit of the preaching plan for the remainder of this, uh, for this upcoming month, um, and for, uh, Lord willing, the rest of the year. And so next Sunday, Lord willing, our brother Rick will be preaching. So be praying for him, um, and as he prepares, as he's probably already been preparing and preparing this week, this upcoming week, be preparing for our brother Rick as he prepares to preach next Sunday. And then the Sunday after, brother Rick, Pastor Tim from ARC, will be preaching. So pray for Pastor Tim as well. And then on October 17th and the 24th, we'll be jumping back into our series on the book of Ephesians. And so I'll be leading us in that. And so that will probably take us to the end of the year, Lord willing. But we'll be jumping back in Ephesians on those two dates. And then on October 31st, Pastor D will be preaching as I'll be preaching at a partner church in Raleigh, NC, Fellowship Raleigh, uh, that day. And so we'll be out of town. So Pastor D will be preaching on the 31st. Once again, Rick is preaching that Sunday. After that, Pastor Tim. After that, those two Sundays in between, sandwich in between there, we'll be jumping back into our series on the book of Ephesians. And then the 31st, Pastor D is preaching. So in, in light of all of that, just sharing our preaching plan for the month of October and Lord willing throughout Uh, the end of the year, uh, would you all please be praying for the preach word? Be praying for these faithful brothers uh, as they prepare to preach and just praying for the preach word as a whole uh, here at CHCC and not only at CHCC, but at other gospel preaching churches. Amen. 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 Praying that God would, by his spirit, move through the preaching of his word. And we pray for that this evening as well. All right. So Over the last two weeks, family, we've been walking through our mission statement as a church. Uh, We looked at the who of our mission in the first sermon, and so God, so we exist to uh, glorify God, right? Uh, Then the second week in our sermon series with walking through our mission, uh, we looked at the what. So this was last week. We looked at the, the what of our mission, right? And so we exist to glorify God. Uh, by making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that's the what, what we exist to glorify God, the what by making disciples of Jesus Christ. And this evening, we'll look briefly at the where kind of we kind of looked at this a little bit last week. But tonight, this evening, we'll look more at the where of our mission. So the who, the what uh, and the where and really in some ways the when as well. But before we do. I want to invite us as a church family to recite our mission statement together, all right? Out loud, we'll, we'll do it together uh, on the count of three. And so how about this? How about, and you all probably already know it, how about I do it the first time and then invite you all in on the second time? Cool? All right. 
So our mission statement as a church is we exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among our neighbors and throughout the nations. Y'all got that? Y'all ready? On the count of three, we're going to do it together. All right. One, two, three. We exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among our neighbors and throughout the nations. Amen. Amen. So that's our mission as a church family, that we exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ among our neighbors and throughout the nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mission, uh, your mission for us as a people, God, as Christians, derived right out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, God, that you have called every Christian, as we saw even last week, every Christian is to be on mission for your glory and for the advancement of your gospel among our neighbors and throughout the nations. And so, God, we pray this evening as we wrap up this series, Lord, on our mission and vision, uh, that yeah, Lord, that you would ignite our hearts, that you would set our hearts ablaze even the more for your mission for us as Christians and that we might be faithful, that we might continue to be faithful to that mission, God, that you've called us all on. Whether, whether we've been a Christian for one year or 30 years, however long, in whatever environment we're in, we find ourselves in, whatever our vocation is, God, you've called us to be on mission. And so help us, Lord, to be faithful to that, Lord. And we need your spirit to do it. None of us can do it apart from your spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. We don't want to do it in our own strength. We need you. And so, God, please help us to make disciples for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of the church, and for the good of the souls, Lord, outside of these four walls and throughout the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew 28, as I mentioned, that's where we're going to be again this evening, starting at verse 18, and it reads as follows. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so early on in my Christian walk, family, very early on, I didn't fully grasp that the Great Commission was an all-nations initiative. Here's what I mean. I struggled to reconcile how we needed to go overseas when there was a huge need for the gospel right across the street. I struggled with that. Uh, so, you know, still a student at Southeastern Seminary and Southeastern Seminary, love Southeastern Seminary. It's a great commission seminary. And, and while I would be sitting in chapel services, I would hear um, the president, you know, Dr. Danny Aiken or whomever uh, saying, go, we need to go to the nation. Go, 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 go. And I struggled with that. Uh, because right across the street, and not just in you know the seminary, but in churches you know that I was a part of back then, and this, that, and the third, and what I was hearing um, is that we got to go to the nations. But then I would see 
you know, just homelessness, like right across the street. I would see gang activity, drugs, all these different things right across the street. And it would be like, man, like, well, who's going there? <laughs> who's going here? I know we're going there, but who is attentive to the needs here? And so my heart, and even for you all knowing my background, man, my, my attentive was, was, was there, wanting to go across the street to proclaim the gospel. And then, you know, over time, you know, as I continue to, you know, learn and grow in the faith and uh, be challenged even in that thinking, which was good for the good, um, I came to realize, as I'm sure you all know, that it's, it's, it's not one or the other. It's both and. So it's, it's, a, it's a, we need to be going to the nations, but we also need to be going across the street. We need to be going on our blocks. And it's a, it's a both and, and not just a one or the other. And so I pray that during our time, as I'm sure some of you all probably can relate to maybe having that same kind of uh, challenge early on in your walk, or maybe some of you might have it now, I don't know. Um, Maybe some of you were where I once was, or maybe you are there now, I'm not sure. But I pray from our time together this evening that wherever we are, uh, that we will grasp God's heart for across the street and overseas. Amen? And once again, yeah, the Great Commission isn't one or the other. It's both and. And for some of you all, you might already be settled on this. But I pray, I pray that God would do it in my heart and that he would do it in you all's hearts that he would set them ablaze even the more for proclaiming Christ everywhere, everywhere. That's what we see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So if you're taking notes this evening, here's the main idea of our time is making disciples is a local and global mission. Making disciples is a local and global mission. Or as, as some people have put those two words together, it's, it's global. Making disciples is global. <laughs> it's not just local, it's not just global, but it's, it's both. It's, it's global. <laughs> Two points, family, and then I'm out your way this evening. So point one, making disciples among our neighbors, right? It's from our mission statement. Point two, making disciples throughout the nations, right? So point one, making disciples among our neighbors. Point two, making disciples throughout the nations. Point one, look back with me at verse 18. And it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I won't be dealing with this too extensively this evening as we uh, dealt with this last week in talking about Jesus's authority, uh, his power. But I, I will suffice to say that the Lord Jesus has come. He has lived. He has died. And he has been risen from the dead. And this resurrected Jesus has been given all authority. It's been given all, been given all authority, or as I like the King James Version, uh, as it says, all power. That the Lord Jesus has been given all power. So he's been given all power. And so Jesus, in his authority, in all of his authority, with all of his power, he does what? He gives a command in verse 19. What was this command? We looked at this last week. But what was this command? It was to make disciples. It was to make disciples. Look back at verse 19 with me again. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So in all of these verses, the only command in this verse here is to make disciples. That's the only command in this verse. That command is to make disciples. And as we discussed last week, the word go can be translated as you go. I love how Dr. Alvin Reed comments on uh, this in his book, As You Go. He says, without getting overly technical, the only command in the Great Commission is make disciples. Everything else explains the imperative mission of making disciples. The word translated go has a unique tense and mood in the Greek aorist participle that can be understood as a timeless description of action. The Great Commission is not go someday. It is going and having gone, make disciples as you go. He continues to say in commenting on the Great Commission, it is a lifestyle. It is a movement. It won't happen overnight. So wherever you are today, make disciples. Wherever you are going tomorrow, make disciples. Having gone into your neighborhood and to the ends of the earth, make disciples. The people of every nation need the gospel. I love that when we think about the Great Commission is a as you are going. We talked about this some last week, but it's, it's really a as you're going in, in every aspect of your life. In, in you know, parenting, in uh, working, your nine to five, uh, in school, you know what I mean? Like, you know, on the block, in the community, uh, wherever, in college, whatever you are doing and wherever you are going on a daily basis, as Christians, God calls us to make disciples. Whether you're going to the grocery store, whether you're going to work out, you hit the gym, you're ready to go in the like, hoop or whatever the case may be, God calls us wherever we are and whatever we're doing and wherever we're going to make disciples. And the other thing that I love about this is that it's not an option. It's, it's, it's a command that Jesus commands us as Christians to go and to make disciples. So this isn't something that we can just, you know, put off to the side. We can disobey. No, God wants us to obey all of his commands. And included in that is the Great Commission to make disciples. So we are to obey this. So let me take a brief step back and define what a disciple is. What is a disciple? A very simple definition would be a follower of Jesus, a student, a learner, a follower of Jesus. So then what does it mean to make disciples? What is discipling? Very simple definition that I love that Pastor Mark Dever uses in his book, Discipling, helping others to follow Jesus. So what is a disciple? A follower of Jesus. What does it mean to make other disciples? What does it mean to do discipling? Well, it's to help others follow Jesus. So then where are we to make disciples? Is where we are going to be uh, spending the bulk of our time kind of thinking about that this evening. Where are we to make disciples then? And the answer to that is everywhere, right? Everywhere, yes, everywhere. We are to make disciples everywhere. But then the question is, where do we start? Where do we start making disciples? I believe among our neighbors. Among our neighbors. 
So for CACC, among our neighbors, I believe has a twofold meaning. One scholar says we get the specific great commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, but we get a geographical location in Luke's gospel, right? So listen to Luke 24. Feel free to turn there if you want to, but you can listen in. So Luke 24, verses 46 to 47. This is Jesus. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to where all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Catch that. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So we, you know, we, we have a geographical location that the Lord Jesus gives us here in Luke's gospel. And then Luke, picking up that same message, repeats that in Acts 1.8. So Luke wrote the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke. So Luke here in Acts 1.8, he says, But you will, this is Lord Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In where? Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we, we have here some geographical locations where the Lord Jesus commissioned the disciples to, to go. So Jerusalem is home base for the disciple making mission for the disciples. This is where Jesus tells them to start. Um, if, I, if I had a map, I would show you this, but imagine Jerusalem, uh, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth in concentric circles, right? Uh, so Jerusalem being in the center, right? The outer circle of that being Judea, and then the outer circle from there being Samaria, and so forth and so forth, right? Jesus, Jesus tells them, start at home, work your way out. Start at home base. Make disciples, be faithful to making disciples there. And as you continue to make disciples, who make more disciples, who make more disciples, find yourself multiplying and seeing disciple making happening in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus commanded disciples to start locally among their neighbors. And I believe the same is true for us, family. I believe the same is true for us, CACC, that, that God has commanded us to make disciples here in Congress Heights. And if we were to follow those same concentric circles, the pattern of that, next would be all of D.C., by God's grace. Maryland, Virginia, so forth and so forth. Something that I want to really impress upon us, and I know this is true of all of our hearts here, is that yeah, we want to see the gospel on display in Congress Heights. We want to see men and women, boys and girls come to faith in Congress Heights. But we want to see that we want to see the gospel reach the entire DMV. We want to see the gospel reach the entire DMV. We're not only focused on making disciples in Congress Heights. We are focused on that, but we're not only focused on seeing disciples made in Congress Heights. We want to see disciples made throughout the entire DMV, and throughout the entire world by God's grace. So this could mean, this is what it could mean, seeing other churches planted in Southeast D.C. and in the other wards, or it can certainly mean supporting other planting efforts in all of the wards 
and across Maryland and VA. So in that sense, everyone is our neighbor and specifically in Congress Heights. But have you thought about reaching your actual neighbors with the gospel? Have you actually thought about that? So when we think about, yeah, like, so everyone in that sense, I believe from the scriptures that even, even in here now and, and others who aren't here right now, like neighbors, <laughs> like we are to be reaching our neighbors. So that includes our congregation. It includes others outside of these four walls. But then it also includes those who live right on your block. So whether you live in D.C. or you live in Maryland or V.A., God, I believe, has called us on mission right in our neighborhoods, right on our block. So I'm sure you remember this passage, family. So in Matthew 22, you remember the great commandment that the Lord Jesus tells them. So this is what happens. So in Matthew 22, 34 uh, through 40, let me read it for us. But this is the great commandment. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. What? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So love God, love neighbor. Jesus summarizes the entire law to loving God with all that you are, with every fiber in your being, and to then love your neighbor in the same way. To love your neighbor as yourself. There's a book called The Art of Neighboring. You may have heard of it. It's a book called The Art of Neighboring that fleshes out the great commandment here in Matthew 22 to mean, to mean this. This is what it means. Building relationships right in your neighborhood. To building relationships, to sharing the gospel, to reaching your neighbors right on your block, right in your neighborhood. And I love what one of the authors says here. He says, when Jesus was asked to reduce everything in the Bible into one command, he said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Then he asked this question, he says, what if he meant that we should love our actual neighbors? You know, the people who live right next door. So the thought is, if we aren't loving our neighbors next door to us with the gospel well, we can't really expect to love others throughout the city and the world with the gospel well. And our families are included. Those who we live with, those who see us on a daily basis, who we do life with right in our home. And so the, the thought is, if, if, if we are going to love our neighbors in Congress Heights well, um, and, and, and love neighbors in general, then it, then it starts within our homes, and it starts right around our blocks, right where we live, seeking to love neighbors well with the gospel. So a couple of questions, and this isn't meant to uh, 
Yeah, this isn't meant to discourage or cast judgment or anything along those lines because these questions are hitting me too. And it's, uh, it's, these questions are meant to be rhetorical and to have us thinking. So the question is, how is that going for you, Christian? How is loving your neighbor in your home, on your block, in Congress Heights, in wherever you live, how is that going for you? If you're married, which all of us here are, uh, besides two yet. <laughs> three. three, yes, three, of course. <laughs> Can't forget two. Not yet. <laughs> Got a long, long ways. Uh, but married and with children, how are you loving your family? They're your neighbors. (laughs) You live with them. They're in your home. I believe Jesus had our families in mind. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So how's that going for you all? How's that going for me? How are you loving your neighbors to your left and right in your neighborhood? Do you know their names? Do you know their names? Do you pray for them? Do you, do you pray for your neighbors who live right next door to you, on left and right or across the street from you, wherever? Do you pray for them? Do you pray that the Lord would open an opportunity for you to be able to like, learn maybe of some of their needs or just an opportunity to get to know them further? Do you pray for those type of opportunities? Do you duck and dodge them when you see them? Or are you actively engaging them in conversation? Are you actively seeking to try to engage in conversation, to get to know them, to them get to know you for the sake of the gospel? I want to encourage us, family, and I'm imperfect in this too, May we be the type of church, may we be the type of people that's seeking to love our families well, that's seeking to love those who live next to us well, and those who we come across with. I mean, even thinking about who we work with, right? Even, even who we work with, you know what I'm saying? Like, like those folks on your jobs, Pray that the Lord would open an opportunity for the word, for an opportunity to share the gospel. There are things going on at your jobs, right? A lot of things happening in the lives of people that you might be on Zoom with on a daily basis. Or you may, if you're going in the office, see them or whatever the case may be. Pray, pray for them, pray for their families, pray if they don't know the Lord, that the Lord might save them. If they do know the Lord, that the Lord might strengthen them. So may we all do this as a church family. So I believe from scripture that the great commandment and the great commission is on making disciples among neighbors and throughout all nations initiative. So the great commandment and the great commission is on making disciples among our neighbors and through all, throughout all nations initiative. It's not one or the other. 
It's a both and. And the scriptures teach that it's a both and. And that we as Christians must obey it and must seek to be faithful to it. Amen? Amen. So point one, make disciples among our neighbors, which then leads to our second and final point this evening. Making disciples throughout the nations. Making disciples throughout the nations. So in the passages that we read uh, just a little bit ago in the, under the first point, so in Matthew 28, in Luke 24, in Acts 1, we've seen that the Great Commission has an all-nations focus to it, right? It's an all-nations focus. It's clear from the passages that Jesus had all nations in mind and assumed in all nations in the city, our blocks, our neighborhoods. And then when we think about Mark's gospel, we are told to go proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. All right? So we're told to go proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, so all nations, whole creation. So God's mission is all nations and the whole creation focus. The word nations here in scripture is defined as people groups. So it's defined as people groups. So this doesn't mean that all nations or the whole creation will be saved. It does mean that we should seek to proclaim the gospel to all nations, to the whole creation. So God has always had the nations in mind. You think about Abraham when he was called back in Genesis 12. So God called Abraham. So in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In summary of all of that, one man, a blessing to the many. Right? God calls Abraham, one man, to be a blessing to the many. But we know that Abraham was a typology. What that means is he was a type of the one to come. So he was, a, he was a type of the one to come, the Lord Jesus. Psalm 86, 9, as we even read during our time uh, before the service, as we, we continue this thread, continue to capture this theme of God, uh, being a God who in his mind has all nations in mind. It says in 86, verse 9, Psalm 86, 9 says, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord and shall glorify your name. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. So once again, nations meaning all peoples, people groups, people from all these particular people groups coming and worshiping Jesus. So all peoples, by God's grace, will come and worship Jesus. So Jesus comes, lives, dies, and is raised for all peoples. The one man, this is who Abraham 
and, and every really biblical figure from the Old Testament uh, is a typology of the one who was to come, that being the Lord Jesus, one man, the God-man, who is a blessing to the many. In his life, death, burial, and resurrection, one man, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, being a blessing to all peoples for 2,000 years. Being a blessing to the many, granting life to the many, granting salvation to the many of all who will repent and turn from their sin and turn to him by faith. A blessing, one man, a blessing to the many. Then he commissions the disciples out to go make disciples of all nations. We saw that right here in Matthew 28 and in the other synoptic gospels, uh, Mark and Luke tells them the same. Whole creation, all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. Why? For what angle? Why? Go make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. So that people from every nation, here's the why. So that people from every nation would praise God. So that people from every nation would praise God. Bear with me as you hear this rich passage from Revelation 5 just to think about and our hearts be churned in a way and set even the more ablaze on God's purpose for all nations. Revelation 5, 1 through 10, it says, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne, verse 6, and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang, verse 9, a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe 
and language and people and nation. There it is. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. God's plan from the very beginning was to save a people for himself, to save a people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every language, a people for his glory. So as Christians, we are to be committed to proclaiming the gospel to folks across the street and across the globe so that people will worship God. Some statistics, you all might already know these statistics, but out of 7.84 billion people in the world, there are 3.27 billion people who are unreached. Let that sink in for a second. Out of 7.84 billion people in the world, there are 3.27 billion people who are unreached. I got this statistic from joshuaproject.net. You probably are familiar with that. But then it also continues to say out of 17,416 people groups, there are 7,403 unreached people groups. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people groups. People who are unreached. What that means is, is that they have not heard the gospel yet. That in their language, in their culture, that they have not heard the gospel, that they don't have Christians represented amongst their culture yet. This is weighty. When we think about God's mission, God's plan to save a people for himself, to think about, think about this for a second. I mean, our hearts should break for this. To think about there are people overseas in other countries who have yet to hear the gospel, who are on their way to hell. Eternal separation from God. Because they have not yet heard the gospel. And that with all of the different challenges or, or things that might be hindering or whatever the case may be, that, that, that some have not gone, that I have not gone, that we may not have gone, and God calls us to go. And that when we think about outside these four walls, that in some ways, there are people who in some ways are unreached, who may not have been reached or who may not have heard the gospel. That God calls us to be outside of these four walls on a regular basis, outside of our homes, on a regular basis, 
to proclaim the gospel to our neighbors who live left and right to us across the street from us, who need to hear Jesus, and those who are overseas, across the world, across the globe, who have never heard Jesus. God calls us as a church to be a part of that mission locally and globally. And that this is what we have been commanded to do. It's not an option. So, real quick, God calls us all, be clear on that, and I believe we know that, but God calls us all to be about taking the gospel across the street and overseas. But this means that some of us will stay. This may mean that some of us will go. So that means that some of us will stay. It means that some of us will go whether that's on short-term missions or long-term missions. Some of us will stay, some of us will go, short-term or long-term. All of us, by God's grace, can, can give towards these efforts to help support short-term, to, to help support long-term missions in areas that are considered unreached. So I pray that the Lord will lead us however he sees fit. And I'm sure he's already leading us, even before this sermon, leading us in ways how he sees fit. But I want us, in thinking about these staggering numbers, if we haven't been thinking, or if we haven't been praying, I pray that we would think more and pray more about unreached people groups, about cats, right across the street from us or on our blocks who may not know the Lord. Who, oh, when we think about it, we know this family. We know this. We know what the scriptures teach. That people are going to die in their sins apart from knowing Christ. And if they do, that they will be forever forever, ever separated from a loving God. May it be, may it not be so that we didn't share. That we didn't. By being compelled by God, take the initiative and be bold to proclaim this gospel as someone was bold and took the initiative to share it with us. May we, church family, seek to be on mission wherever we go in whatever we do. I pray that if it wasn't already the case, but that this sermon has wet our appetites even the more for missions, for missions and that God has called us locally and globally to proclaim the gospel. So just a few more ways to apply this before I call uh, Natasha and, and Josh back up, but just a few more ways to, to apply this. One, if you don't already have a copy, I want to encourage you to read Discipling by Mark Dever. Read Discipling is a really helpful tool that Pastor Mark has put together to, to help us think about discipling and what it is and how to go about doing it. 
as this brother, uh, by God's grace, uh, has faithfully discipled many for many, many, many years um, and wrote a rich resource to help us to think about that, to do that well. So read that personally. Read it with somebody as a way of discipling. Read it with someone. Second thing, this past Wednesday, uh, we had Pastor D and, and uh, members from the Perspectives team uh, come out to tell us about the class that they're going to be having on Perspectives here at COH. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of, of here in the sanctuary and then also in the fellowship hall. This will start in January. And so what this is, 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 is a, it's a missions course, right? Uh, that helps us think about missions, helps us think about missions and, and uh, what it is and what it is that we are called to and where we might be called to and, and to help really continue to satisfy our appetites as it relates to uh, what missions is and helps us get on God's perspective pertaining to missions. So I want to invite you guys to, to attend that. Um, I do know that the first two classes are free. So you can attend the first two classes for free. Just to come check it out, see how the Lord might be leading. Um, and then we are going to have them come back out sometime in October, I believe, to present again, just to share about more in, in one of our services, uh, just to share more about perspective. Because we as a church family, even as you hear in our mission statement, right, we want to be about disciple making among our neighbors. But we also want to be about it throughout the nations. And right now, that's a prayer request, right? That's a prayer request for us as a six-month-old church where we're seeking to be faithful by God's grace to proclaiming the gospel locally. But we, we want God to lead us to, yeah, to, to help or to send or to go to support what the Lord is doing globally. And so this might be one of those ways, right, that God might be stirring some of you all's hearts um, and others a part of our congregation to go, to go overseas. I don't know where the Lord might be stirring and leading, but this class could be a help in that direction, an encouragement in that direction. So anyway, so read Discipling by Mark Dever. Attend the Perspectives class in January if you're able to. And then one other thing, pray. And most importantly, pray. Pray for the neighborhood. Pray that God would, would move among the neighborhoods, that he would move among Congress sites, that he would move among our blocks where we live, that he would move among our families, that he would, that he would move by God's grace. And then also pray for the nations. If you aren't already, pray for the nations. Include the nations in your prayers because God is, is into saving the nations, into saving people from all different, as we saw in the text, right? All different tribes, languages, tongues, the nations. So let's pray for the nations that the gospel is, is about the nations. It's about all people everywhere. And I want to encourage you, if you already didn't know about this link, 
but to visit joshuaproject.net where you can, on a daily basis, uh, see, uh, yeah, these statistics that I've mentioned, but to, then to also, they, they, they queue up a, um, you know, a people group of the day that you can pray for on a regular basis. You can keep up with praying on a daily basis, praying for, you know, Pakistan or praying for wherever the case may be, and it will uh, send you, you know, different details and specific prayer requests that you can pray for the particular uh, people groups and things along those lines. So visit joshuaproject.net and pray for the nations. So read Discipling by Mark Dever. Attend the Perspectives class if you can. Pray for the neighborhood. Pray for the nations. Pray that God, by his grace, will use CACC, continue to use CACC, to be about missions locally and globally. Josh and Sasha, I invite you all back up. As we wrap up this evening, Father, we uh, we ask, Lord, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours that you would um, help us, Lord, to, if we aren't already, to, yeah, Lord, to, to set our eyes and our hearts and our minds, Lord, on making disciples globally. Help us to do that, God. With all of the people that are unreached, God, we pray that you would raise up more laborers to go into your harvest and to see people go from death to life saved by your spirit in Congress Heights in the blocks on the blocks where we live in our homes across the world God Pray that you would do that and that you would get the glory out of it all, God. Give us wisdom as a church, Lord, on how we might partner with, with other gospel works uh, in the city and, and other uh, gospel efforts, Lord, amongst the nations, throughout the nations. Give us wisdom. Give us appetites even the more for that, Lord. Help us to seek to be faithful more and more to making disciples, God. We need your spirit. We need your grace. We need your wisdom. We need your power. Fall fresh among us, Lord, by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.